perhaps you've heard me say that 90 to 95% of us in America have autoimmune, meaning our own body's attacking itself, and we just don't know it. So you could be out there with uh, brain fog and just a lack of energy, and it could be autoimmune. Well, we examined that much further with my guest, Palmer, who wrote Beat Autoimmune, and a great book and some great st strategies. She was diagnosed with MS at age 19. Wait till you hear her amazing story. But you know how I say pain to purpose? Hers is from the mess and to the message. And in this case, she's the messenger, bringing an incredible message. So stay tuned for an amazing show. You need to share autoimmune, more people than you think. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cellular Healing TV. I'm Ashley Smith. And today we welcome Palmer Kippola, who is an author, speaker, and functional medicine certified health coach who specializes in helping people reverse and prevent autoimmune conditions. She developed a framework to help others beat autoimmune based on her 26 year battle to overcome multiple sclerosis. Her new book is called Beat Autoimmune and contains the science stories and strategies to help people heal and thrive. Hopefully this episode will offer tools to help you better navigate autoimmune conditions. So I'll let you two take it from here. So let's welcome Palmer Kippola and of course, Dr. Pampa. Welcome. Yay. Thank you so much, Ashley. It's an honor and privilege to be here. Yeah. Well, we're, we're glad to have you and, and gosh, I love this topic and I, I say love not because I uh, love autoimmune, but I love bringing people this information because so many pe people, Palmer, have autoimmune and they're sick, they have symptoms, they don't feel well, they just don't know it because the testing for autoimmune is so primitive compared to how many people are actually being attacked by their own immune system. That's absolutely right. And um, I'm so glad to be here to help shine a light yeah. on things that people can do for themselves. Yeah. You know, your story, I, I think we, we just have to start there. Um, MS is, maybe a lot of people watching or listening is don't even realize that that's autoimmune. And, um, you know, but I'll tell you, it, it's one of the, the horrible diagnoses, right? I mean, it's like when someone gets that diagnosis, uh, you know, the doctors are basically like, hey, this is a life, uh, life disease. And ultimately, the, the prognosis is not good. Will you beat it? Um, which gives you the greatest authority of all in my book. Uh, you know, the authority of from, well, I say from pain to purpose. You said from mess to message, which I absolutely love, right? So you have authority because you were in the mess. And, uh, you know, no, no doubt speaking a, a great message. Now. So, yeah, tell, tell us the story. And it was a long one. Yes, it's, it's a long journey and, and I need to take you back in time in just a few years because I was 19 when I was diagnosed. Mm. So here we go. Um, I was 19 years old and I was a happy, healthy, well-adjusted 19-year-old young woman. And I just finished my freshman year of college and I was home for the summer uh, with my parents working a summer job. And one morning I woke up and the soles of my feet were all tingling. And I thought that I maybe had slept on my legs funny. You know, that feeling when the blood yeah. flows back. Yeah. So, I mean, like, morning, so before that, not one symptom like that you could think of. Nothing. Wow. 
Wow. So this is what makes this a little unusual because a lot of people are like, yeah, you know, it just happened out of the clear blue. And we know that these things take time. In fact, autoimmunity builds over five, yeah. 10, 20 years, yeah. right? So for me, maybe I just wasn't paying attention. So I really, I, I'm really clear that I might not have been tuned in enough. Uh, what to teenagers are, by the way, but anyway, another subject. Yeah, yeah. totally, totally. So I figured, you know, the tingling is just going to go away. I'm going to go off to work and it's just going to go away. But over the course of the morning, the creepy tingling just crept up my leg like a vine. And by the time it got to my knees, I knew something was really wrong. So I called my parents who called the family doctor who said, take her to the neurologist at UCLA. So that afternoon, we're sitting in the neurologist's office. And, and this is a long time ago. It's before the internet. So I just want to set the frame of reference. Um, the neurologist does some cursory exam. She has me walk heel toe, heel toe, eyes closed, touching my finger to my nose, test the reflexes. And literally within five or six minutes says, I'm 99% certain you have multiple sclerosis, MS. And if I'm right, there's nothing you can do except take medication. And I learned later that she had told my parents right before we left her office that they better get ready for me to be in a wheelchair because that was the prognosis, that it was just gonna go downhill and that was gonna be my life. So we left her office with very little information, very little hope, and by nightfall, the tingling had reached right under my collarbone and had turned to complete numbness. So I couldn't feel any, anything literally from the neck down for a full six weeks. It was an absolutely terrifying time where we just didn't know what to expect. Man. So I just, I was relegated to the couch that summer for those six weeks. Wow. And I'm so grateful. I have to say that my family was there for me. My mom was quick to empathize and even cry with me and plan for whatever future we could try to plan for. Could I switch schools and attend in a wheelchair? Um, and my dad, you'll appreciate this, he would say, honey, you can beat this thing. I know you can. So he would inspire my can-do attitude, and which was amazing, very motivational. And I'm also grateful that there were friends that weren't too scared off by this mysterious disease. We didn't know what this was. Nobody had heard of this. There was no internet. This was pre-MRI. We used to call it the magnetic resonance, excuse me, it was called an NMR for nuclear magnetic resonance image. So that's the scary name for the precursor to the MRI. That's what we're talking about. This was in the 80s. All right. Um, so friends came by and brought gifts and the usual stuff like cookies and books and watched movies with me. And this one friend, a family friend who was into things metaphysical came and she brought a gift that didn't seem at all like a gift at the time. She asked me, Palmer, why do you think you got the MS? What do you mean? Why do I think I got the MS? Oh, you... good. That was a great question, though. What was in your head? What were you thinking, right? Right. Um, you know, whatever. Did I do something to cause it? Right, right. So I was, first, I was completely offended, right? Yeah. And how dare she? And then she left, but I didn't have anywhere to go. I'm lying on the couch for six weeks, and I started chewing on that question like a dog with a bone. And all of a sudden, in a flash of insight, I had a sense of why I got the MS. But I have to take you a little bit back in time farther. Uh -huh. because I had been adopted as a baby at three days old by very loving parents. 
but my dad had been a fighter pilot and his way was invariably the right way. And we butted heads quite a bit. My earliest memory that came to me in that flash of insight lying on the couch was really the first thing that I can remember. My dad is yelling at my mom, who's locked herself in the bedroom, probably crying. He's yelling her because she's gained a lot of weight and he doesn't like the fact that she's overweight. And I'm standing up in the hallway to my dad with my little fists up, my little dukes up. You call my mom names and I'm going to sock your lights out. And I realized that I had become a child warrior. I had become hypervigilant. I was always on. I was scanning the horizon for safety. I became an insomniac. Um, it was really something that, it was just an amazing flash of intuition. And I thought, and I don't know any, I didn't know anything about the immune system, but I imagined in that flash of insight that my immune system had somehow or other become a proxy for that hypervigilance. That if it didn't have a real battle, a real virus or bacteria or whatever to fight, then it would result in friendly fire with me as the victim of that attack. Mm. So that initial hypothesis of chronic stress being at the root cause of the MS was, it, it still rings true for me today, even though I know there's more to the story. Um, I'll just put a bow on this by saying, um, the numbness, thankfully, retreated enough for me to go back to college for my sophomore year. So I still, it would take a full two years for the numbness to fully retreat, but I was well enough to go back to school. Thankfully, I had the type of MS called relapsing remitting, meaning symptoms come and symptoms go. Mm -hmm. So off I went on my 26 year journey of relapsing remitting MS. And over the years, I did see six neurologists, each of them took MRIs of my brain and and agreed that that's what it was. So there was no question of whether or not I had the MS, that there was very much um, uh, consensus that that's what I was dealing with, but that there was nothing I could do and that there was really no hope. And with that diagnosis, okay, it comes, it goes, it comes, but eventually it doesn't leave. Um, was that what they were telling you? For many people, it doesn't leave. And that's very scary. I, I think for those people that have MS, there's just no telling what's going to happen. And I think people who see neurologists um, are often put in a greater state of fear because the neurologist is saying the only thing that you can do is take medication. And if you don't take medication, it might shorten your life and there's a really good chance you're going to wind up in a wheelchair. So the unpredictability of something like MS is really scary. And mm. so that adds a, another whole layer of stress on top of, you know, the reasons you get the autoimmune conditions in the first place. Yeah, you know, just so people listening, you know, it's, I always say it's a perfect storm, you know, it's physical, chemical, and emotional stress, you know, are these nasty triggers that turn on a gene oftentimes and you know, and then these autoimmune, we get the one of our genetic weakness, unfortunately. You know, it's a really weird thing. I just, as you were telling the story, I remember back, this is early in my career. I didn't really, uh, you know, know much about autoimmune at that point in my life, let alone MS, except this woman came in and she was in a wheelchair debilitating MS for many, many years. And I had just got done reading an article about how 
NutraSweet, you know, the, this artificial sweetener that was kind of on the horizon at that time, um, can cause MS, or at least at that point, they set a false diagnosis of MS, right? That's right. Um, it can look like MS. A anyways, so of course, this woman was diagnosed, but I gave her the article and I said, hey, you know, you should just look into this because the reason it triggered it is because she was this massive diet soda drinker, right? I mean, one after another. I mean, and I, I remember asking her and she was like, like, you know, 20 a day or some ridiculous number, plus like all these other things because she did it for weight loss, right? That was her sweetener of choice. So I was like, you need to read this article. So, I, I, you know, I don't remember, but I hadn't seen her in a, like a long, long time. As it turned out, she walked right up out of that wheelchair after getting rid of all of that sweetener in her life. Now, I wish it were so simple for everybody. It's not. Um, but the point I'm making, actually, is my gosh, when you get rid of the cause, yeah. You know, the body has a miraculous way to heal itself. So um, that emotional vision that you gave, uh, you know, knowing that emotional charge was there of your body attacking itself, you know, like you said, okay, we don't have anything to attack, we'll attack ourselves. Amazing. Do, looking back, did you have any other triggers um, that you could have thought about? I mean, you were adopted, so you're not sure even of your health of your mom, I'm sure, huh? Right. So now, looking back in hindsight, I know there are multiple triggers, which we'll get into. Um, but that was the that was the leading hypothesis yeah, I, on the couch. Yeah. And and I think it's it's you know one thing to take away from this is to ask yourself that question: Why do you think you got this blank yeah. in the blank? Because that question became my north star for the next three de three decades. All right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, it's like, I mean, you can see there's, there's multiple triggers, uh, you know, so to ask yourself the question, uh, at least it says, okay, I wasn't just unlucky like the doctors make it sound like, oh, you're just unlucky, you just got autoimmune, right? Or, you know, MS. It's, well, wait a minute. If I believe there's a cause, then, then I can believe there's a cure, right? I mean, so it, it gives you hope, I think. Oh, it completely gives you hope, and it is so multifactorial, and we can, we can go in any direction you like. So over those 26 years, because there was no internet, I was left to my own devices to figure yeah. out this, this whole puzzle, which is, doesn't take people the amount of time that it took me. It's, it's far easier to address and remove these triggers and heal the gut, but it was, it was a process. You know, I, I started doing stress reduction because if in fact, chronic stress was at the root of it. Well, then I needed to figure out how to relax. You know, we have this automatic stress response. That's our primitive response to things, right? We, I wouldn't even call it a response. It, it's a reaction. Mm -hmm. But we have to train ourselves how to relax because that's not automatic. So that's where practices, I started doing yoga in the late 80s. I started meditating in the early 90s. And I found that the more I relaxed, the fewer exacerbations I had. And conversely, if I had stress at home, conflict with my dad or at school, if I was overwhelmed and later in the workforce, and, and by the way, I didn't tell anyone that I had the MS, so I just soldiered through. My dad, the fighter pilot, told me, don't let anybody know you have this. Mm -hmm. So when I needed to take time away from work with terrible optic neuritis that you know I spent I, two nights in the emergency room, 
in pain and two weeks out of work, people thought I was on vacation because you just didn't talk about this. And the added stress of that was pretty huge. So I found a really good cause and effect between relaxation practices and not having MS symptoms. That was a really clear cause and effect. So that was a great experiment. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, and actually in your book, uh, which is right here, it's behind you, so you can look behind you, but, uh, you know, I'm sure you can buy it on Amazon, correct? And, um, you know, we can even put a link here. And I know you have a gift for our viewers of uh, some abbreviated uh, um, version of this on what to eat for autoimmune, right? Which is what everyone wants to know. Uh, what would I eat, right? Absolutely. So, and, but that, and that's a perfect lead into the next point that I wanted to make because there was no internet. There was no Dr. Terry Walls. I didn't know what to eat. And I figured the diet must have something to do with this, but all I had was my intuition and the public library. So that's where I went. And the only Microfish. 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 Oh my God. Now I'm really looking like a dinosaur. Um, <laughs> I know. I used it too. <laughs> so there was a book called the Swank Diet Book or the MS Diet Book or something like that. And he purported that the best diet for MS was low fat vegetarian. Uh -huh. So I already explained that my mom was overweight. So we were already a margarine household. We were non-fat milk. Do you remember ice milk, ice cream? Oh I mean, yeah. didn't go any lower fat, right? Yeah. So the only thing I could do is add in more healthy whole grains. And I didn't mention this before, but I also for as long as I could remember had tummy trouble, not like run to the bathroom tummy trouble, but more like constipation. But the neurologist told me that was just a symptom of MS and just to learn to live with it, right? But when I started taking the meat and the, the fish and the chicken out and just adding more healthy whole grains, I noticed more tummy trouble. So not only did I not notice any improvement of MS symptoms, I noticed a worsening of tummy trouble, but I thought that was normal. I thought that everybody started having rumbling or whatever feelings after eating. So I didn't think anything of it because I thought it was normal. And we know so much more now, but that was a fail for me that I did vegetarian, vegan, macrobiotic. Yeah, I mean, you, you actually start the book with your experiments, meaning yeah. the things that I did that were the flaws. Obviously, that's being one of them. Right. I, I'm sure you might want to share some others because people, other people are going, well, I still believe that. Yeah, so. Right. Right, absolutely, and I'll, I'll just touch on one more that was a flaw, and then we'll get straight to right, a okay. moment. So the, the next flaw for me, and I'm, I'm not a doctor, I don't pretend to be one, um, so I can only comment for myself, but I tried medication, and, and neurologists were so persistent that that was the only thing that was gonna save me and keep me out of a wheelchair and extend my life, maybe, was to go on this injectable medication. And the cost-benefit ratio was just out of whack. I ended yeah. up having way more problems as a result, including a wound that didn't heal for six months, including a heart attack, symptoms of a heart attack, super scary. So that just wasn't for me. I didn't notice any improvement in symptoms. So I was doing pretty well with the stress reduction as long as I stuck with it, right? This is something you have to do as a practice. It's not something you just do yoga a few times and you're done, or you just do deep breathing exercises or neurofeedback once. It is something that you have to keep doing. Um, so finally, the best experiment was right around the corner in 2010. I, you know, we had the internet by now and I knew enough about nutrition to know that maybe something that I'm eating is causing this tummy distress after eating. So I found a functional medicine nutritionist and everyone who listens to you knows about functional medicine. It gets to the root cause. 
And she did some tests and it came back that I had non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Not celiac disease, but non-celiac gluten sensitivity. So meaning I was highly sensitive to this inflammatory protein found in many grains. And she educated me on what it was doing to my gut and how it was you know, causing inflammation, leaking through, causing my immune system to react. So she led me through this gut healing protocol where I removed things. This, you know, people know it as an elimination diet. It's the gold standard for holistic medicine where we take the bad stuff out and we heal and seal our gut. And after a week of removing the gluten, I stopped having tummy trouble after eating. And it's kind of no surprise because I have to tell you what my diet was at the time. I mean, I woke up and had cereal. Like as long as I can remember, I had Cheerios for breakfast. I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day for lunch. So I'm probably getting mold from the peanuts as well as, you know, the bread. And I'm having pasta or pizza or maybe sometimes beer for dinner. So this steady stream of gluten over time is just keeping the gut perpetually leaky. Didn't know that. So after removing it, one week, tummy trouble stops. Within one month, no exaggeration, I stopped having any and all MS symptoms ever again. And that was November of 2010. And I'm standing here today in 2019, and I have not even had a tingling baby toe. So I call that one my Eureka experiment. But I also want to be super quick to add that this is not, you know, that disclaimer that my results might be different from yours. Right. We all know that these autoimmune conditions are multifactorial. And had I not been spending the last 26 years really doing that deep emotional healing work and forgiveness work and things that normally people do after they start with food, I did that first. So that by the time I removed the gluten and healed and sealed up my gut, that became the linchpin trigger for me. Right. Yeah, it's interesting because most of these conditions, there's a, a perfect storm, right? You have this going on where you, I'm sure as a teenager, you were already becoming activated to gluten. And then, you know, you have the emotional component to it, boom, right? And, you know, I mean, I think that's the thing is we, we all have to examine our life and ask the question that the woman asked, what do you think caused it, right? It's like, ah, you know, wait a minute, maybe it was this, maybe it was that, maybe it was... You know, I think you have to evaluate the chemical exposures, the emotional exposures, and the physical trauma, you know, that um, we're all exposed to. And uh, emptying the bucket give your chance, gives your body a chance to turn off that gene, you know, and, and heal itself. So Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm thrilled that you said that about the bucket, because I think when I reflect on, well, how did I heal? I really emptied or did yeah. the best to empty so that bucket. Mm -hmm right? That's what we do. It's our job to constantly take stuff out of the bucket. Right. But that didn't mean I was finished. So I want to be really clear about this. So my big, as far as I can tell, my big root causes up until that point had been the chronic stress mm -hmm. and layering on top of that, you know, the gluten and maybe other foods. I found out later that I'm sensitive to casein, yeah. protein and dairy. But after I healed, I still had things. There was still work to be done, right? This is, we, we don't just stop having an autoimmune condition and say, okay, I'm done. Yeah. No. Right? I mean, life happens, stresses occur. We have symptoms, which are just messages from the body inviting us to dig deeper. So I eventually found I had a mountain of mercury in my system. I did have mold. Um, I have chronic Lyme. 
but we can live with some of these insults as long as our buckets yeah. are empty Absolutely. enough, right? right? So it's not necessarily about eradicating the Lyme and getting rid of it forever. I don't know that we can. No, I, 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 I still have it. When I was sick, I was positive Lyme. If I do an IgG test, it's still there, but my immune system has beat it back. You know, I'm not IgM, meaning I don't have an active infection. Epstein-Barr had it. Cytomegular virus had it <laughs> and still do, right? right. It's like, but you're right. I mean, our bucket just filled up. Uh, you know, with emotional, physical, chemical stress poured over, and then these pathogens became problematic as well, right? Right, right. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And so you'll appreciate the story, I think. Um, so, so after I healed in 2010, I was so excited that I didn't feel like I was plugged into an electrical socket anymore. I mean, literally 24-7, I always felt this humming in my body that when I stopped having that autoimmune attack, it was really clear to me. So what did I want to do? I wanted to go share the good news with my neurologist. Hey doc, I don't, you know, I don't have MS anymore. And he, he just proverbially, you know, patted me on the head and said, Palmer, you know, gluten sensitivity is a fad and um, I want you to keep taking the medication. So I left his office and went on my merry way. And it, in a couple of years, Cyrex Labs was open. And Cyrex Laboratories does autoimmune testing yeah. to help prevent, right, to try to get ahead of things. They have an array called 7X, which is against neurological tissue. So I had that blood test done. All of the antibodies to my neurological tissue, like myelin basic protein, are in the normal range, meaning there's no more autoimmune attack. I don't have an MS attack going on in my body. And then fast forward to last year, um, you know, I just kept on my merry way with, you know, lowering things out of my bucket and having the cavitation surgery. We can talk about all that stuff. Um, I decided to go back and visit the neurologist that I hadn't seen in eight years. I really wanted to understand how his thinking had evolved, if it had evolved. Yeah. And I thought it would be a good time to get a follow-up MRI. I mean, the lesions on your brain don't go away immediately. So I don't want people to think that the only way to know that you don't have an MS right. thing is the lack of lesions they're scars and if you have scars on your body they take a long time or maybe you'll always have the presence of some scars so it's really a combination of your symptoms a neurological exam coupled with an MRI is really the best way of telling so I went back and he wondered why I was there he was a little taken aback and he said with his tail between his legs slightly um, Palmer we now know that gluten sensitivity is real he, and, I'm surprised he even remembered saying that it was a fad, but I guess he did. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. And he said, I bet about a third or more of my MS patients are sensitive to gluten. And then he said, now, he knows I'm a functional medicine health coach. Um, he said, I can't give you my patient list, but maybe we can, um, you know, I can refer people to you. So I tried, I followed up with him about three times and he never took me up on that. And I thought, why not? You know, why not do a one plus one equals three? I'm not gonna convince them to get off their meds, but maybe with the diet and lifestyle changes, these people will actually do better. Um, but that didn't happen. But what did happen is we had another MRI done and I sat side by side with him and he showed me how with the new MRI, the lesions had faded or had disappeared. And he just looked at me and said, this couldn't be a better story. So we finally got him to admit some things, which was 
a nice vindication. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Well, you take people in your book uh, through what you call the acronym FIGHTS, right? Because as we're talking about the bucket being filled, um, we kind of mentioned a lot of these things, but I, I think it puts it in a nice little uh, way of remembering, hey, these are triggers. So kind of give uh, our viewers and listeners uh, an example of what FIGHTS is and how they can remember that. Yeah. Well, if you don't mind my sharing a tiny bit of, of, of something that precedes this is I had no intention of writing a book to begin with. This mm -hmm. was just for my own edification. I wanted to know, I had this cognitive yeah. dissonance. I couldn't understand how I had healed when so many people had told me I couldn't. Right. Um, so I, that's when I did the research and dove in and, and looked at the science to see what in the world enabled me to heal and I found out about epigenetics which literally means above the gene and that really disproves this idea that our DNA is our destiny and I encourage people I'm, I'm sure they your audience knows about epigenetics. You know, we, we, we've had amazing experts on this you know um, you know but to your point right I mean it's like you know this, this gets triggered you know I mean these of our susceptibility get triggered, but it's not your destiny. We all have these genes. No. Every one of us do. I have them. We all do. So I'll always have the genes for the MS. I can just control the genetic expression by dealing with those environmental factors. Um, and, and that's what I'll get into with fights. But the second thing I just wanted to point out is, I don't know if your audience knows that there's actually an autoimmune equation. Have you talked about that much? Um, um, they, they give me an example of what you so, mean. So Alessio Fasano in the early 2000s, he's a researcher now, he's at Harvard Medical School. He did research because we've always known that genes play a part in autoimmune conditions. And now we know that it's only up to five to 10% of your health outcomes is genetic. Um, but 90 to 95% is lifestyle, those environmental factors. But we didn't know what brought those two worlds together. And Dr. Fasano and his team found out that it's, intestinal hyperpermeability, which is a leaky gut. That's what Yeah, we no, we've talked about that. Matter of fact, I, in my uh, article on autoimmune, I talk about it as a three-legged stool. Right? Fantastic. Part of it, here's the stressors, the triggers, and then the gene that gets turned yes. on is yes. my analogy. Yes, and, and what's so super exciting about that is that if you flip the equation, you can potentially reverse the autoimmunity. Yeah, and that's I, yeah those three <laughs> things, that's where the, right. the, treat, cause, uh, the treatments are as well. So I learned, you know, this was dumb luck for me because I didn't know that epigenetically I'd turned off the MS by following the autoimmune equation, which is to detect and remove your triggers and to heal your gut. And that's what I had done. So after I healed and I found this science, I just thought I, this has to be shared more widely. So I thought, you know, I, I really like words and I wanted to come up with something that was easy for people to remember. So I came up with FIGHTS, which stands for food, infections, gut health hormone balance, toxins, and stress, which is most, if not yeah. all of the triggers that we can control minus the genes. But if we address them, you know, we can change our epigenetic inheritance. So that's what FIGHTS is. And we can go through them in order. You know, we, we've talked a bit about food because that's really the, the place to start. Yeah. Um, because gluten was my big linchpin. It turns out of all of the studies that I've read and maybe you've seen, gluten seems to be the biggest baddie when it comes to autoimmune conditions. In fact, in 2002, I think the New England Journal of Medicine storied publication um, highlighted 55 diseases that were attributed to eating gluten. And that was back in 2002. 
So there's more recent science that shows that gluten creates a, a leaky gut in anyone who eats it. So if you have the proclivities for autoimmunity, it runs in your family or you're dealing with something, you know, it's a really good thing to experiment with is put on your own lab coat and give that a try. And right up there with gluten is dairy. Seems to be very inflammatory for people and people often think it's the lactose, but it's actually the casein, which is inflammatory that has um, you know, the biggest issue for people. And then the third biggest baddie um, doesn't get talked a lot in the context of autoimmune, but it should, and that's sugar. Um, if you eat sugar of any kind, including fruit, it can block your immune system from working for up to five hours after eating yeah. it. What do we do? We snack. And the foods that we eat turn to sugar really quickly in our bloodstreams. Well, when that's happening, our immune system isn't operating at full capacity. And if we, autoimmunity isn't a, immune system problem yep. it's not a body part problem so the ms doesn't mean that i have a problem with my brain i have an immune system problem my weak link happens to be for ms but if you have rheumatoid arthritis the weak link may be your joints right so it's really important that people understand that this is not a body part problem it's an immune system problem so whatever you can do to unburden your immune system is paramount for healing and then we, uh, infections would be next, uh, which we talked a little bit about, but you can expand. We did, we did. And infections in my book come um, third um, because the gut actually comes second. And that's because when you remove the bad foods, like the sad foods and the other things that are harming your gut, maybe unnecessary medications or just grabbing an antibiotic for a cold or something, um, with gut healing, you take the bad stuff out. So that's why it naturally just follows the food one. Um, so what we're going to do first is remove the bad stuff. And then if you're over 40, you might want to consider adding digestive enzymes. We tend not to produce as much stomach acid. So to really support yourself that way and adding in those probiotic foods like the sauerkraut, if you're able to, and the prebiotics, which are is really just fiber, colorful vegetables that the probiotics eat. And if you don't heal the gut, you don't reverse the autoimmune condition. If you keep doing the things that are inflaming your gut, and I, I often talk about this is we treat our guts like garbage disposals. I mean, we're really just shoveling things down there and it may not suit us evolutionarily speaking. And if those particles can protein fragments continue to go through the lining of our gut, we're going to stay in that autoimmune cascade. We're, we can't, stop that until we stop putting the things in that are adding fuel to the yeah, and a big one uh, that scientists are pointing out is the glyphosate that is known to open up and cause the leaky gut which many of them like stephanie center um, from mit has shown that look it, it's driving the leaky gut and a lot of the gluten problems right um you know when you go to other countries like italy um people eat the gluten and go, what's the difference? Well, twofold. Number one, glyphosate's outlawed, so it's not opening up the gut. Number two, uh, they definitely have a more uh, ancient grain. Um, they you know, have a different grain uh, than we do. So it's always what man has done to it. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I was in a very ancient culture and you know, they ate a lot of dairy, you know? It's like, but it wasn't the dairy that we eat, you know? So, the casein was a lot different, right? It's, uh, you know, we have definitely um, really changed the playing field. You know, and it, oftentimes it's hard to fix the gut when you have 
silver fillings and leaching mercury, disrupting the microbiome, right? You have hidden infections in the jaw, living in moldy homes. Uh, you know, you point out a lot of that stuff in your book, actually. Absolutely, positively. And one thing that I learned fairly recently, that stress creates a leaky gut. I had no idea. And they say that even public speaking, so me getting on your show to talk with you, you know, my gut may be a little permeable today. So, you know, we need to just tend to, uh, it, it's almost a moment by moment basis that we're changing our terrain. And that's why doing things proactively and on a day-to-day -day basis is so important. It's not just like you're one and done. So absolutely, infections is right up uh, on the third level where if you're not better, which most people aren't, there's a lot more work to do. Although practitioners I interviewed for my book and in my own experience, people typically heal between 60 and 80% of the way just by addressing those toxic foods, taking them out of their diet. And some people 100% of the time. So you start with the highest leverage category and then work your way up, right? Um, which is why hormones is last because it's downstream from everything else. We wanna, if we can change our diet and deal, heal our, and seal our gut, a lot of things just end up taking care of themselves. Does that well, make sense? I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, when I was sick, chased my adrenals, my thyroid issues to no avail, right? Um, until I got upstream uh, on it. Yeah, so I mean, uh, obviously the, the fights get you to all the, the letters, but not necessarily the right order. But hey, it's a great- That's, that's right, that's right. It's just a way for people to remember it. And by the way, they don't have to go in this order. If you wanna tackle chronic stress first, like I did, have at it, you know? Yeah. If you have the energy to do it, because emotional pain, sometimes it's, it's hard to dig into those dark places. No, and it's true, I mean, like, that some people can't even fix their gut until they, they deal with some of these other toxic exposures in their life and may not be able to fix their gut until they deal with the emotional exposures in their gut. You know, they'll spend a lot of time trying different dietary things and wonder why they're failing. It's because they need to address more of the stressor, whether it be chemical, physical, or emotional. That's right. That's right. And I think the lowest hanging fruit seems to be the best place to do it because people's energy level may not be up to the task of having for example, cavitation yeah. surgery, well, yeah. you address some of the lower hanging fruit, like, you know, talking about toxins, you know, I've heard Dr. Pizzorno, naturopathic doctor, he founded Best Year University. Uh, he wrote the toxin solution to talk about how 70% of the toxins in our body are non-persistent, meaning if we switch to an organic diet, we can really bring the body burden of toxins down in a really pretty quick amount of time. And there've been studies that show that children who've gone from eating conventional foods to eating an organic diet have been able to lower their body burden about 50% only within a few days. So that would be a really low hanging fruit for people to consider, what are you eating? And in particular, animal products, right? When you talk about concentration often of toxins, and I've heard that sometimes the concentration of those pesticides and herbicides can be 25 times greater in animal products than it is on yeah, and, and again, that's for people, it's what man has done to it, right? I mean, if you're eating real grass-fed meat, you know, that's not given any chemicals or eating chemical grain, which animals aren't supposed to be eating, right? Cows, anyway. Uh, you, no doubt, law of biological concentration, you're taking in a lot of, uh, lot of poison at once, that's for sure. That's why when people get rid of it, they feel better, right? Dairy's another one, holds a lot of toxins. 
you know, I always say, if you start with just eating real meat, grass-fed, and real dairy, grass-fed, my, my gosh, it's like, you know, right away you can reduce a lot of symptoms. Absolutely. It's such a good point. And some of these, these are behaviors we do every day. We eat every day. So every day, maybe two or three times a day, and if you snack, maybe it's more often than that, we have a decision. Do I add to my toxin bucket or do I take things out of my toxin bucket? I just want people to know everything, every choice we make is highly consequential, mm -hmm. right? So just having your coffee in a paper cup once isn't going to do anything. But did you know that paper cup, cup may be lined with a plasticizer? So you're actually going to be ingesting some plastic or you know, maybe people are still using microwaves and heating their food up. And, you know, if you're microwaving something that's in plastic, you're going to be ingesting that. And that becomes, you know, something that your body doesn't recognize. And that is something that perpetuates the autoimmune attack. So just every little thing that you decide to do is highly consequential. And I've heard that the air we breathe, indoor air, can be up to 90 times more polluted than outdoor air, yeah. but we spend 90% of our time indoors. Yep. So some really simple things that we can do are just sit, if you live in a place where, you know, you're not next to a highway or some, you know, chemical plant, open your windows, get some fresh air. In no, I, we do it. I always cross ventilate all the time. And uh, when I was in a very humid environment, I had something called an energy return ventilator um, that brings stale air out and fresh air in you know, it runs it through your HVAC system just to bring fresh air in. Uh, you're right. I mean, air is a big problem. And when you're indoors a lot, you really have to pay attention to that. And water's another one. I can't believe how many people still drink tap water. Yeah. And it's like r ridiculous, the amount of hormones and drugs and, of course, chlorine and fluoride and all the other things they purposely put in the water. But it's a, it's a poison. Something you can do something about this week. You know, fix it. Right. Today. Yeah. You know, your choices can change today. It's yeah. just, and even the thoughts we think. We, what do they say? We have 60,000 thoughts and most of them are, are repetitive and negative. To, to challenge some of the, those thoughts and that rumination of worrying and so forth, that's just extra stress that we're giving to ourselves. So. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's today, it's, you know, we're surrounded by enough toxins unknowingly. Um, control the ones you can, uh, you know, and then again, it's the low hanging fruit. We can control what we put in our mouth at least. We can control for the most part in our home, the, the water we drink and the air we breathe, start there, you know, and then start, you know, evaluating, do you have silver fillings that contain yes. mercury, right? Do you have a root canals, you know, these hidden infections in the jaw, cavitations, I mean, you know, work your way up to these big positive factors because they're nasty and they turn genes on very quickly. They do. And, and as I'm listening to us, I'm, I'm just reflecting on the fact that this is, it, it can be seem overwhelming to people, yeah. but just putting one foot in front of the other, just taking one step, step you know, step. making one decision, open your window, you know, yeah. maybe that's all you can do today. If you don't have the energy to exercise and get out there, just sit outside in the sun, maybe barefoot to get some earthing in. Um, you can make it much simpler. It doesn't have to be all at once and it doesn't have to be quite so complicated, but I have to touch on mercury because you mentioned it. Um, there was a doctor in the UK named Patrick Kingsley 
and he was, um, I think, an integrative physician. He saw 4,000 patients with MS over his career, and he said of the 4,000, he only saw five that did not have mercury poisoning. Wow. So. I believe it. Uh, it ruined my life for a period of time, that's for sure. You know, it, you know different, you made the comment, and I agree with it, it's just by changing your diet, you can get out a certain percentage of the toxins, whether it's 50, 60, who knows. Um, and, but these big neurotoxic sources like heavy metals, they tend to accumulate in the brain where it turns to inorganic mercury. Mm. And it's stuck for life unless you do something, you know, really intentional about it. Um, aluminum, same way. I mean, you know, it's a, there's a lot of toxins that really, you know, we have to be more purposeful about mercury being one of them. So, yeah, I mean, just great stuff. And I know you covered a lot in your book. And again, um, there's the book behind you, but I'll hold it up again. Um, that, hey, but, you know, remind them of the gift uh, that you um, are blessing our audience with. Yeah. So this I, I spent a lot of time on because um, the biggest question I get from people is what do I eat if I have an autoimmune condition? And I believe that you're in the best position to figure that out. So I created a little guide, an ebook, if you will, to help you figure that out. It's called the Optimal Food Guide and go to palmerkippola.com forward slash gift. So Palmer Kippola, P-A-L-M-E-R, Kippola is K-I-P-P-O-L-A.com forward slash gift. That's great. Yeah, we appreciate that. Awesome. Well, do you have any other final thoughts or a broader message that uh, you want to tell my, my viewers? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I think that autoimmune is really an invitation for us to wake up. And I, I say that lovingly, um, that question of why do I think I got the MS is really a question that I really invite you to get quiet about, reflect on, and view it as an opportunity. Because often we folks with autoimmune conditions have adopted maybe a perfectionistic tendency or personality, or we are big people pleasers. Um, you know, those were all coping mechanisms. And we have an invitation to become who we truly are. And I think that is what this gift of MS has brought to me. So yeah. that's what I would invite people to do is to get really quiet and still and allow those hypotheses to come up for you. Yeah, that's great. You know, and I'm gonna leave it with this note. So many people watch our show, um, they're, they're health seekers, right? You know, just looking for, why they don't feel well, simple. And autoimmune, it could be it. Uh, it's estimated 90 to 95% of Americans have autoimmune. I mean, that, that, that means that just those of you just with some brain fog and energy issues, your body could be attacking itself. You know, don't wait till you get the diagnosis because by then, you know, it's been there a while, you know? So I would make these changes that we've discussed now. Um, you know, as if, hey, my immune system is probably attacking itself. I want to stop it now because arguably the earlier you do, the better. Well, Palmer, thank you so much um, for your message and for your book and for your contribution. Uh, no doubt from the mess to the message, 
and in this case, thank you that you're the messenger. <laughs> mm. You've changed a lot of lives, you really have. So um, we appreciate that. I'm so grateful to you, and you are just one of the most phenomenal health educators, and we just must take control of our health, and I think what you're doing is fantastic. So it's just been an honor to be here and a privilege. Thank you so much. Yeah, Mom, love, love to team up on it with you. Thanks for being here. Well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. This episode was brought to you by Cytodetox. Please check it out at buycytonow.com. We'll be back next week and every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. We truly appreciate your support. You can always find us at cellularhealing.tv. And please remember to spread the love by liking, subscribing, giving an iTunes review, and sharing the show with anyone you think may benefit from the information heard here. And as always, thanks for listening.